Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Our panel has declined and fallen to just two. Two halves of a once great podcasting empire representing the West. I guess Toronto's to the West of Boston. The Western Roman Empire. Uh, Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Troy, welcome to the show. Why do I got to be the Western Roman Empire? That's the loser empire. You also did get this podcast started and then fade away. (laughs) Well, I've continued on in the East. Oh my it god! It just gets see this metaphor. I just fall in love with it. The more more I talk about it, let's just let's go with this for the entire show. Uh, so tonight we are going to be talking about Total War Attila, and I should I should say at the start, a lot of people asked us to look at uh, Rome Two again since it came out. Sadly, I just didn't end up putting time into the Emperor Edition, uh, so another conversation about the final st- the final, final state of Rome 2. We'll have to wait for another day. Uh, this is just a, a chance to look at what I think turns out to be a, a really, really interesting Total War game. Uh, not even an expansion, but perhaps the uh, standaloniest of the standalones uh, that, <laughs> that Creative Assembly have made over the years. Um, so Troy, why don't you uh, why don't you set the stage for us a, a, l- a little bit here? I, I would say that I expected I expected something along the lines of barbarian invasion, but I ended up with something more. Yeah, I think a barbarian invasion is you know the nicest analog for people who don't remember. Barbarian invasion was the first, I guess, big expansion. It was the only expansion. We don't talk the about ex- the Alexander expansion. We don't. Really, well, Alexander was kind of a standalone thing. We don't talk about Alexander. Uh, barbarian invasion was the uh, fall of the Roman Empire expansion for the first Rome Total War, uh, and it followed pretty much in the same lines as Rome Total War, which I liked uh, very much. It was at the time, my favorite of the Total War games. And this is, you know, really, you expect this, this is this is really not like Barbarian Invasion at all, except for the setting. Um, it has, you know, many of the same tribes, the same nations. It's, you know, barbarians coming down and destroying uh, the great centers of civilization in, you know, Rome and Carthage and Athens and uh, Constantinople. But it actually... Um, Attila does so many more neat things. It doesn't just have, okay, we're going to have all these barbarian tribes and we're going to put them out there and they're going to act pretty much just like the Romans do, but they're just going to have different units, which is kind of the way barbarian invasion worked. You know, they're barbarians and they'd have different units and they'd invade and they would, they're just, they were just new factions with really, really tough units, more or less. Here we have Everything's kind of divided. The way it's divided, I mean, compared to Rome, too, we have all everything. Every culture is divided by its region. You have the Greeks, you have the uh, successor states, you have the Carthaginians, you have the Romans, you have the barbarians, and they're all you know, nice, neat little groups. Attila follows that, but each of the little groups seems to have very different play styles. You know, the Romans have their issues in the way that they play, and then you have the Huns, who are this very unique group, and they're kind of the stars of the show and the other nomadic tribes who have to balance very, very different concerns and have very, very different rules of what they can and cannot do. And you have these smaller Western barbarian tribes. You have, you know, the Franks and the Jutes and the Caledonians who are kind of like smaller versions of the Romans, um, but also have, you know, very neat ways of and expectations of their populations, the way their government works. This is pretty much a total rewrite of uh, Rome 
Total War Two, and it's it's fun to explore. I think it's, it's. I mean, I haven't put a whole lot of hours into it, quite a few enough to get a feel for it. But I think it's the first Total War game in a while that I really like just messing around in and digging. So what does this group do? And what does this group do? And what does this button do? There's a lot of exploration and discovery and a sense of discovery I haven't had in a Total War game in a very long time. Yeah, so I'm going to disagree with you a little bit and say, okay. for me, I think this is the game that, like, okay, so the thing about uh, Rome 2, and if you go back and listen to the Rome 2 show, always a good listen, um, <laughs> it was this sort of, like, exploded clockwork of a Total War game. There were all these, like, bits yeah. and pieces that flew everywhere. It was like, yeah. there was too much design that they just didn't quite manage to cram into the housing. Uh, and so there's just all this all this stuff, like province management, like, it had a lot of options and flexibility, but it didn't seem to matter as much as you think it did, right? It was, it was sort of just right. became a min-maxing game. Yeah. Uh, there were different cultures, but they all kind of played the same. It was just kind of different kind of like different units uh you know slapped down on it but it didn't feel particularly like oh man these barbarians are really different than the romans all this stuff right um with with total war attila i I feel like all those things like right down to the province management system which i never really liked before uh all those things suddenly like sort of lock into place here and things that were just nagging tasks that you had to handle each turn suddenly become really interesting decisions things you mm-hmm. have to, to to weigh when you decide what you're going to do with this newly conquered province or how you're going to develop this you know this new territory you've conquered with this new governor you've appointed all these things that were in Rome 2 that just that just didn't hang together and just felt like cruft and made the game kind of laborious to play all of that suddenly seems to not not so much have been streamlined. I think that'd be the wrong word for it. It's just made relevant in a way it never was in in Rome too. And I think a big part of that has to be that, like you said, this is a Rome game where everyone's kind of playing their own game. Everyone feels like they have this completely different set of problems they're dealing with. You know, the, the, the Western Eastern Romans ha- are, are in completely different positions, completely different enemies. Uh, but even, like, right down to which barbarian tribes you are, you have, you're, 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 you, you start to realize, and I think maybe this is, this is, I think, maybe the important thing that Attila gets right, that I'm not sure I've, I've seen really nailed before. Not that this is a hugely popular setting for, uh, for strategy games. Still waiting on, on At the Gates, John. Um, but... This is a game that sort of looks at the fall of the Roman Empire not from a Roman perspective. It's kind of treating everybody equally. Everybody's a, an important actor in the system with their own interests, their own personality, their own character. And that informs every aspect of this game in some really interesting ways. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd like to, let's compare, I mean, the Western Roman Empire, for example, in this game, I mean, they just have too many cities and too few armies. So it comes down to setting your priorities, you know. I spent my first turn as the Western Romans, by the way. That first turn took like 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because your empire is freaking huge. And it is so, so doomed. You're just panning the camera over like, okay, where's... Where's my base of power? What what's what's going well right now? And it turns out nothing really. 
No, you're, you're pretty much trying to you're, you're you're going to you're going to go into a crouch, a fetal position, protect your vital organs, and just get. I mean, the the guy at the very beginning of the campaign says, maybe you should focus on your infrastructure because really that's what it is. You got to create a nucleus because the potential is there to get everything back, but it requires you know calling the troops home saying goodbye Britain, goodbye France, maybe even goodbye Spain, and hanging on to Italy and Africa for dear life. Um, And then expanding from there and just trying to keep enough money coming in that you can keep your soldiers going. And the Romans have a special power. They can, if friendly barbarians are walking through their land, they can recruit some of them to fight in their army. They can have a levy and they can expand their troops that way. So that's their big problem. Then you have the Huns, who can only build new armies if their population gets to a certain point. Uh, but in order for the population to get to a certain point, they have to stop their armies. They have to settle down for a bit, put up the yurts, chill for a while, and then once the population gets big enough, they can build a new army. But the Huns are just this, you know, fireball of hate coming in from the steppes that can wreak a whole lot of of damage. And there's there's the desire to just go murdering all the Goths you can find and all the Vandals you can find, extorting money from the Eastern Romans with your big armies. But if you do that too often, you end up whittling yourself down. You don't have the new armies to replace the ones you're losing. So there's... Those two very different cultures have such different priorities that it makes the switch between one game and the next dramatically different. I mean, even the Sassanids, who are probably as traditional a Total War faction as you can find, I mean, you just want to go in there and, you know, take down uh, the Byzantines. But, you know, you have got barbarian problems too, and you've got allies and tributaries and vassals who are demanding you step up and protect them. Otherwise, you will lose their support, and you will need their support because you'd never have enough men. Um, this is just such a great, challenging, interesting game from so many perspectives. You know, something I want to call out about the Huns too is that in the past, and I'm thinking of like um, games like well, Caesar Three, right? I think sort of sets the, the the template for the way the Huns have been handled in, in a lot of games, which is like you said, they're, they're they're this new barbarian tribe with the strongest units. The Huns show up, and it's just they're 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 unfreaking stoppable, um, and that can feel unsatisfying on a couple levels, right? Like it's sort of like um, in Viking Invasion for Medieval Two, uh, mm-hmm. not for Medieval Two, uh, the first Medieval game. Yeah, the the Viking uh, Huskarl units were so absurd. Oh, completely um, OP. Uh, yeah. yeah, just a- absolutely nuts. Like you, you would send like multiple regiments. Of, of like Saxon uh, Saxon Carls right at them, mm-hmm. and the Vikings would just chop through them, and like it, it was just it, it was awful. It was awful, and that's that's really unsatisfying. Even it's 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 an example of like you're taking the legend of a faction, and then blowing it out of proportion in in the game, so that it feels like you're playing against the legend, but it just pisses you off. It's not cool. It's just like okay, this is broken. So basically, I can't I can't beat this unit. The the Huns aren't they're they're not unstoppable, but the problem is they've got these stacks of doom, and nobody wants to be the person to muster up and deal with them. 
and any any one barbarian faction really can't. Uh, and so your choice is you can either try to form some sort of coalition and work with like your 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 allied armies and and go protect their cities to try to stop the Huns. But that's a crapshoot. You that that's a good way to lose an entire army. But at least you would finally be doing damage to these people before the snowball start, starts rolling downhill. Uh, but what ends up happening, and it's cool the way I think the game kind of channels this the, this um, historical this historical realism, is that by and large it doesn't make sense to stand and fight the Huns. If you're a barbarian, um, you know unless you're unless you're really rooted. And unless you've really sort of sort of made a home and upgraded your infrastructure and, and you can actually support pretty big armies, most of the time when the Huns start coming down on you like a hammer, it makes the most sense just to leave, just to get out of the way or try to deflect them or something, create yeah. peace. And that is that is extremely cool. They're this they're this force that you try to channel, and if you can't channel it, you run from it. And that is to get that right is pretty crucial for a game called Attila. Yeah, this whole idea of just picking up and moving and avoiding trouble and, you know, hoping the Huns, I mean, when they're played by the AI, they're kind of like the historic Huns. They're kind of fickle in who they're going to attack. They may change their mind uh, the next year. They're not going to be pushing on to war because they take targets of opportunity uh, generally and they'll sack your cities. So it's, you know, either paying them off and hoping they'll look the other way or packing up your tents, going through Roman land and finding a new place to live, which is a perfectly viable strategy. In fact, it's probably often the best strategy is to hope the Huns burn themselves out in the East uh, while you pick up your Goths or your Vandals and you just keep moving West or you keep moving South. Uh, you move behind a stronger, you use, you use the Byzantines as kind of a wall. You move through them, you set up in, in Galatia or, or wherever, and just hope that the Byzantine armies will protect you from the, from the scourge of God uh, coming down from the north. And it's the mobility of the barbarian armies. And the fact that they have like three different settings, that there's, there's the nomadic setting, which you get lots of travel, but, not very, but you can't attack anybody. And there's the military setting where that's where you can attack people, but don't have a very great distance because you're moving in like formation. And then just the sit, the sit down and do nothing and make better tents uh, uh, um, stance. And that's just that simple choice of what am I going to do with this army? Is this going to sit? Is it going to be a nomadic roaming group? Or is it going to be an army attack group? Those three choices really determine how your game is going to play on that turn and on the next turn and the turn after that. And it's just, it's a very small thing, but it just feels right. There, there's something I love, and it's, it's a cool scene. The tutorial should be called out here for being just tremendous at teaching you yeah. the new mechanics you're working with and also setting yeah. the stage. It's a, it's a tutorial campaign that is like freighted with atmosphere but also, in a in a challenging, engaging way, teaches you all the new stuff you're going to be doing in Attila. But there's this at, there's this moment at the end after the game has told you like fend off the Huns for X number of turns, and it's it's a it's a trick. There's there's no way you're going to do that. Uh, but but once you're the Huns are really starting to roll you, you you you're the game tells you, okay, we just have to flee. We have to become a we have to become a horde, and I love the 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 graphical effect that's been put on the flip between um, like uh, settling mode and horde mode. Mm -hmm. uh, 
where you, you click to to turn into a horde and all the all the countryside in the country of Concord, this 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 wall of flame and fire just billows out from all your all your um, settlements across the land and scourges it. And when you control a lot of territory and you decide all at once you got to go, it's a pretty dramatic thing when when you when you pack up and leave. It feels like the end of civilization for this region, and that's that's really really neat. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, the 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 dynamics of the horde itself uh, become really interesting because there's there's all these there's all these trade offs as you contemplate what you're going to do with your horde and where you're going to stop and where you're going to settle, and that is that is something that I didn't expect to work nearly as well as it does, but it it turns out it's far from a gimmick. It's it's this mm-hmm. this really excellent mechanic. It's, I've, I'm glad you mentioned the whole you know scourging of the uh, of the settlements because this is a, actually it's a really neat mechanic that now if you capture a city you can just burn it to the ground you can raise it and that city's dead it is now it isn't you don't have to occupy it's desolation it. it's the entire the the land the whole area of the city is is now no is, is, is sterile um, other places other countries or citizens can take that land they can settle a new city there but there's really no payoff for it in the short term because that land's got to recover right so you sack a city and you destroy it and it does feel like you are in an era where one of the problems with you know a lot of the total war games especially the rome ones is it's one thing to take a city it's another thing to keep it happy after you capture it so you spend so much time just getting that discontent Button down and making them making them smile. Hello, my new slaves. Here's a Colosseum for you. Happy faces, happy faces, everyone. Um, now, if you, you don't have to do that, if it's not a strategically important area, you can just burn that city to the ground. You can burn pretty much entire provinces to the ground and set up little buffer zones of no armies going to be coming from here for a while um, I, uh, because nobody can build anything there. And it's it's violent and it is kind of evil and nasty, but it's the type of thing, you know, you can see yourself doing in this time when, in this point in history, where it does feel like everything is coming apart. And if the Romans aren't going to protect the city, I don't need it in my back. Yep. And I'm a nomad anyway. I, I live on the plains. I'll just burn it and take everything. And you know, you, you said there's no payoff in the in the short term, and and that for resettling desolated yep. terrain, and and that's very true. In the games I played, I saw a lot more desolation being created than I saw it being filled. Like you know, get get a get a decade or so into the game, and the starting map has sort of been Swiss cheesed. Uh, by by all the disruptions th- that have happened, which uh, let's 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 not pass over this too quickly. Like, when has a total war map ever been dynamic? Yeah, I mean, it, it, they've never felt. They're generally their version of dynamism is the player is doing too well. Let's create a bullshit war on his other flank. Yeah, and that's their idea of you know making but the map the, interesting. The terrain never really the changes. Terrain, no, the train doesn't changes, and you know the. I th- I don't know why it is, but for some reason the the weather effects and attrition effects seem more serious. 
in Attila than they do in uh, Rome too. I could be wrong there, but they, it, it really does feel like you are losing units when you're, you know, spending a ha- when you're sending an army in a heavy German winter. Um, and there isn't a city yeah. nearby to replenish it because, well, the Franks just burned them all. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it is a long way home um, to get that to get that army uh, someplace safe. Um, so there is this this sense of fear, and you know, Swiss cheese is a good way to put it. You're you're stuck in a hole, <laughs> uh, and at the, the, yeah, you're good to call out the the map. The map done is because the map changes your strategy. Um, when you have no, you can't capture a, a weak city behind you and then winter there and get your army back up to strength because that city may not be there. So you can't count on having a secure retreat back if things start going bad. Um, you really do need to protect yourself and watch what you're doing in ways you didn't have to in Rome 2 or um, in Shogun 2. No, Rome 2 and most Total War games uh, follow the sort of inkblot model of, of conquest and, and development, right? You you have your core and you expand from there and the, the interior of your empire gets the strongest and you, you slowly spread out from there. Here, there's definitely... Because the map doesn't have the same... Borders are more porous in, the, yeah. in this game. And yeah. this is actually something else to bring up. I never liked going all the way back to when they did it in Rome 1. I never thought the switch to 3D maps without the risk style provinces. Mm-hmm. I never felt like they'd made that strong a case for for that switch. Uh, I think I think Shogun 2 probably really? came closest for me. Shogun 2 did did stuff with the map uh that I liked, but I I never thought the AI really really knew how to use the map uh as well like it it well in Rome 2, right? Like there's all the space, but the path from point A to point B is so clear and so linear that like outside of that lane, it it's it's kind of dead terrain. Right, like okay. you know, if you're if you're expanding into France, you're you're not going to start go traipsing through the French countryside. That that's just there's just no point to doing that. Right. Um. And, and so I never really felt like the 3D map w- with its with its freedom had really done much for the, for the Total War games by and large. This time, it really does because again, that porousness, the fact that territory is not. Unless you got a lot of troops, at which point you're, you're you're doing really well, you're winning the game. If you can actually like solidify a border, uh, you, you're doing pretty damn well. But the reality for a lot of this game is that people are passing through your lands all the time, especially if you're the Romans. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're, we're trained to think of you know these games, most games like this, that if somebody is in your land, they're your they're your your enemy, and there's you know treaties of access, and you have permission free passage through my lands. That's really not an issue in this game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's this whole, there's, there's this whole sort of double thing you, you, you have to do because on the one hand, you've got like, for, for instance, like, okay, someone shows up in your territory, right? And they're not an enemy and they ask for military access and you're like, maybe, but you have to be thinking like, how much do I trust them? Right, mm-hmm. like when like when I'm the Goths and the Ostrogoths are my buddy and everything, and they're they're fight they're they're fighting on my flank against the Romans, and they ask for 
you know, access. Fine, cool, whatever. But there's this doubt you'll you'll inevitably have to a lot of your barbarian friends and allies, right? Like, what are you really doing here? Like, what's mm-hmm. what's going to happen two turns after this military access, you know, pledge is signed? Um, you know, when when they start coming into your territory, and you're like, oh, that's that's a that's a lot of people. Like, where are they going? And you have to start wondering, like, where are they going to settle? Are they going to settle the place where you you, you were going to try to expand into? Are they going to suddenly wheel on you and and descend on you? There's nothing really stopping them from doing that. Um, and, and that's that's a very that's that's a very cool dynamic that, that's happening in this game, the, and and very true to the period, which is that, you know, the people who show up in your land sometimes they're there to conquer, sometimes they're just running for their lives. Uh, sometimes they're on their way to fight someone else, uh, or or sometimes they're 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 to, they're they're there to attack you. But a lot of those all look the same, and so you have to be you know constantly sort of guessing like, okay, is this you know this this hostile barbarian tribe? Do I really need to fight them, or are they just going to like pass through like a comet and go shatter someone else? Because in which case that's not my problem. Uh, and, and so there's, there's all these cool calculations you have to make with just these sort of randos that are that are traipsing across the map in, in horde mode. Yeah, I mean, you can just ignore them altogether and just hope for the best. You don't even have to talk to them. A lot of them just walk right through, and you don't have to sign any treaties because they can walk right through anyway. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, they get fewer penalties if they have a treaty with you. Um, they have They can replenish, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you can just kind of ignore them and hope for the best, but you, but you can't ignore them. You always have to watch them. Um, it's, I mean, it's kind of racist. You have to watch these barbarians, make sure they're not stealing your land and your, their, your land and your women. Um, well, it, it's not you, racist. You, I mean, we're, let's face it. We're all descended from these assholes. <laughs> yes, exactly. But you, but you, that's the way the, that's the way the game works. You have to keep an eye on every, on all of these people and hoping they're going the right direction. And you can you know, sign these nice little treaties, um, like I said, the Romans can, they can just levy troops and that's great because eventually the Romans start running out of money <laughs> and can't build as much stuff as they want to build. Um, and some, cause the Romans actually want to have some barbarians, uh, coming through because those, the ability to levy barbarian troops is that's a great power. It's a great, it's one, it's an excellent superpower for the Romans to have, but requires them to put trust on the crocodile that's waiting to eat them. And it occurs to me, we're having this conversation about a Rome game that you're sort of trying to weigh people's intentions and everything. But I have to say, I found the diplomacy pretty convincing. Like, I didn't have those classic Total War moments where, like, something completely absurd happens, where, like, we're best friends one turn, and then one turn later, they're at my throat. I didn't have the I didn't have those moments of okay this is just the game deciding to throw me a curveball here. Uh, diplomacy by and large felt like it it moved pretty sensibly between hostility and friendship. Yeah, I mean it's, I think part of it is because the game starts with I think everybody at war with six people. Um, yeah, I mean there aren't a lot of. It's not like most games like this, where you don't start in a war, you start at peace, then you pick and choose as things develop. You pretty much start off at war with somebody or a bunch of somebody. Like Rome starts at war with like four barbarian factions, and I think the East is the same. And the Huns hate everyone. Um, the Sassanids start a war with you know some losers up north, or they very quickly get dragged into a war with some losers up north. But really, their destiny 
is in Palestine. So that's a war you end up starting soon. So there's, but yeah, I think I think the fact that there, it does start with these hostilities and also, you know, a bunch of tributary relationships, especially, you know, in the East where you have some really weird alliances just being popped up, little minor kingdoms being allied with, you know, the Byzantines or the Sassanids or the Scythians or whoever. So you have this little network of alliances that I think works pretty well. You have the same thing in the West. Um, so I, th- I think that, that these things are kind of, because it's not starting from scratch, like Rome 2 does, pretty much. Yeah. Um, it starts with some history that kind of makes sense. Instead of trying to build this weird, stupid history based on the idiot thing I did by accident on turn three, and then... You know, the AI decides to be an idiot. Uh, but yeah, the, the the offers are general. I think that some of the diplomatic interface is terrible. Um, there's been a pretty good... Uh, the UI has improved quite a bit, but I think the diplomatic interface is still, you know, a real hot mess. There's, of- there's a lot of things I want to look up that I just can't at that. Like, yeah. when you have this many tribes and someone's like, hey, man, you need, to, you need to join me in this war because these people are attacking me and we're allies. And I need to yeah. know at that point, like, because I, yeah, I, I haven't checked, right? Like, I, I, I don't know, like, so, sorry, man, but I don't know what your power level is right now. Are, are you a village or are you a small barbarian empire? I need to know this when I'm making the decision to come into this war. Um, yeah, and you, and, you can't. Can't rely, and you also can't rely on your knowledge of ancient geography because... You don't know where this tribe is now. No, no, they're they're vaguely like if they have a city, okay, then you'll you'll see where they are located as a city. But chances are they're moving around, right? Especially like if you're dealing with people in horde mode, so you'll have a vague approximation of where they might be. Yeah, but it's not that helpful. Like I've had it, I've had it be off by like fractions of continents. Like like the Ostrogoths were like, we need help over here. And it was like, okay, so you're up, you're up in the northern Balkans. All right, I can, I can help you there. No, turns out, turns out they were fighting uh, north of the Alps. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, that's the problem with them, the nomads. You know, the, they'll but carry never their say where on, you put them. The, no, never say where you put them, and they'll carry their grudges across the mountains. Uh, uh, so something I want to do, talk about, just because I want to go into horde mode just a little bit more. Because it's this, it's it's a really cool aspect of this game, and I and I find that um, it's fun because it's got some press your luck type things go, going on there. Um, so you go into horde mode, and horde mode basically converts everything you've had into hard power right away. So 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 you know it's this it's this clenched fist, but the problem is that the horde is really limited in what it can produce internally. But you can upgrade your horde, but then, like you said, that's the that's the we've pitched tents and we're we're spending time upgrading our camp and everything. That takes a long time, yep. in which you're getting none of the benefits of settlement. You're just you're just basically out yep. there in a campsite, setting up long term quarters while while you upgrade your your, your movable gear. But that's something you probably want to do and do early, maybe, because, uh, of course, like, as as the game goes on and, and, and your horde has to move, you know, move move through and deal with more and more powerful and aggressive enemies, you will need the ability to produce 
better units uh, on the move. You'll 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 need greater greater uh, production capacity when you're a horde. But while you're camped there, you are insanely vulnerable, and you're just hemorrhaging. Uh, you're, you're hemorrhaging resources. Uh, so it, it's it's this really it, it's a really vulnerable place to be. But the other thing is, um, so. You can you can trans transit great distances as a horde and everything, but for me the, the question always became like, you know, where do you want to settle? You know, do you, do you stop in the yeah. first nice province you you come across and like take a city there and and start there? Like like when do you stop? How do you stop? Um, and it, I I've, it's it, there's some really interesting stuff that's happened. Like uh, as uh, in this game as the Goths, uh, I ended up. Uh, hoarding straight out of the Balkans because the the Huns were right on my heels and it was just all going to hell up there. Uh, I, I I dashed through the the western edge of the Eastern Empire, um, and then I came across um, you know the 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 Roman Adriatic uh, coast. Uh, what is it, Salona? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really it was nice, great province, it pretty advanced. Um, and I was like. I could like there were no Romans around, so I was like, "Yeah, sure, why not? I guess I'll I guess I'll take the I'll take this province. I'll I'll, I'll settle here." And so I take what what turns out to be like, you know, probably the you know fourth or fifth most important Roman Western Roman province, uh, you know, on the map. Um, and you know, at first it was really cool. It was like, "Wow, this is you know, it's like coming into it, it's like a children's fable, right? It's this really rich, <laughs> like it's the it's the it's the gingerbread house. It was this a really like rich world. and tempting place. And I was like, ooh, it's beautiful. I have to pick this this city you up, sure? and this one's gonna be great." And then it turns out every other jerk wants that province too. And so suddenly, like, I'm fighting, like, two other barbarians who are trying to follow me into the province. I'm like, no, hang on. This is my province now. The Romans get their act together and start pouring out of Ravenna uh, to come just, like, just lay waste to the western edge of my little, like, crap kingdom now. Uh, and then the Eastern Roman Empire is like, what are you doing here? And so it just turned into this nightmare. Um, but it been a really cool way, right? It was, it was this whole, like, okay, clearly, clearly I probably settled too soon. I probably should have run somewhere else. I, I got greedy. Like my, my horde was not in a position where it could have just like sort of nipped this huge critical chunk out of the <laughs> Roman Empire. I ended up making it work eventually, uh, thanks to some Eastern Roman separatists uh, that, that caused some real problems for the, uh, the Eastern Roman Empire, which they solved eventually by desolating uh, all of Northern Greece, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, it was like there's this like Eastern Roman civil war going for like ten years. And then, like in the space of like three turns, just like everything north of uh, Thessaly was just like burnt to a cinder. I was like, "Oh, okay. I guess yeah. I guess Byzantium does not forgive or forget." Yeah, this this is a, this is literally the game where you make a desert and call it peace. Yeah, but anyway, so it was, it was this it was this cool thing where it was like, okay, I stopped my horde way too soon in the wrong neighborhood. I got greedy. I probably tried to s- jump the barbarian ladder. Uh, jump up a few rungs on the barbarian ladder a little too quickly, but it was sort of neat to see that play out, and it got me thinking. Like, you know, this this is a dynamic that often happens when you're in horde mode, right? It's like, how far yeah. do you want to run? When do you want to settle? And and how, you know, the the nicest land you might not get bothered. The 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 worst land you might not get bothered uh, for at all. People won't want it, but there's a reason for that. So, how greedy do you want to get? Yeah, that whole decision of when to first when to go into horde mode uh, when to 
do all the important things about, you know, accumulating wealth and building new armies, because you only build new armies uh, if you get enough population, but you're going to need those new armies, because as you say, you pick a nice province, you're going to get screwed, and the Romans will come looking for you. But the whole decision of, am I settling to run away from trouble and find a nice little, you know, three-bedroom house by the coast, or am I settling to create the base for future expansion that I can't do because I've gotten as far as I can as a horde. Um, and that's difficult. It's a challenging problem. Um, and it's, it, what's, what, I mean, it's classical. It's a classic interesting decision that is, you know, the sort of thing that you had, you had some of with the hordes in, you know, barbarian invasion, um, but not really. And I think part of it is, to go back to it, something that really works really well on the 3D map. Because you can, because where you, where you put your horde encampments, you know, being able to protect them geographically. You can take to the hills. You can, you can hide in the mountains. You can find a pass you can easily defend. You know, you can put, if you have three armies, you know, you put two of them in horde mode and you have another one just watch your back. There, there's all of these choices you can make that you couldn't do in you know, a province-based map. You can only, really only do, I think, in a terrain-based map. And then that makes the choice of settlement, the direction you'll go in, I think, that much more interesting because there are so many different ways to get there. And you don't want them to... They don't want them to know you're coming. You know, when you, the, your life, you found Salona undefended, that's great. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but if you, if you wait, if you waited too late, Salona might not have been that undefended. Right. So you have, you have to move, you have to, you know, as Cicero says, make haste slowly. Um, you have to level up and get to that point, but not so fast that you're not ready for the adjustment because there are things that you are just not able to do uh, as a barbarian in certain times. Yeah. The, the barbarian tech tree is, is a long and winding one. Um. The other thing, I, so I want to talk a little bit about the Western Roman Empire because I think they're just mm-hmm. a fascinating game. This is, yeah. like, this is this is one Absolutely. of my favorite aspects of barbarian invasion, and it's even better here. It's like, what do you do as the Western Roman Empire? And if you if you handled the opening well in barbarian invasion, uh, the original barbarian invasion it eventually sort of stabilized and turned into a more typical game of Rome Total War. Yeah. Um, and man, there was some weird stuff there too. Like the priests. Remember the priests who chant oh, and like yeah. oh, some some weird, goofy like Age of Empire stuff in that game. Uh, here, w- what I really dig is that. Okay, why is the Western Roman Empire falling? Why is this? Why is this all coming undone? And the 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 way the game portrays the Western Roman Empire at the start of play is it's just. It's just exhausted. It has. It, there's been no investment, no upkeep for ages. It's too big. All like it's got all these little marginal territories. Like there's some really good stuff in Spain, but man, is Central Spain just a complete drain? Like just you're getting absolutely nothing out of it uh, except territorial contiguity, I guess. Uh, you know, Britain. Uh, you got legion all the way up on the Scottish border. Um, does Hadrian's Wall do anything? Doesn't seem to. I mean, just screw the British. It's just, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that, that's, that's pretty much. Yeah. It's, there's no point. There, there's, there's not, like, London is this marginal little city. You might as well just abandon it. Uh, but 
you know, if if you collapse too quickly, if you say, okay, screw it, like we're all just going to sort of turtle up in Italy. Uh, if you do that too quickly, you will lose that empire faster. You need to extract the money from it. You need to crumble slow as slow as you possibly can without getting shit hammered. Uh, by by these barbarians who are starting. There's already a few hordes uh, rolling around your territory uh, at the at the start, or they're on the border, and there's one actually in your territory. Uh, but but you need you need to extract that wealth from all these outlying Western Roman Empire, Western Roman provinces, uh, because you need that to set up a power base somewhere. You need to figure out where where your where where your center power is going to be. Chances are it's going to be Italy and northern Italy, uh, but but you need to start you need to start like funneling that money back into the heart of your empire, using it to invest in these better structures and you know get the capacity now to to build new stuff, uh, and, and that's this that's this cool tension. The other part of this, the other reason why I think this is probably better than it's than it was ever done in like barbarian invasion. Factional politics are actually interesting in this game. Interface-wise, yeah, still probably kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. But the idea of there being, first of all, you got the the sort of Senate icon, which sort of indicates like your your overall control of the uh, your overall control of your faction. But then you also have like your your, your political power and influence, right? Like how much sway do do you hold? Um, like, like how, like what, what's your personal, what's your political capital basically? Uh, and then you got all these generals running around and, and potentially governors of varying loyalty and varying ability. And you appoint them to different offices and such, which will sort of climb a cursus and orum. But, but the sum effect is, so as the Western Roman empire, you start with, um, the emperor Honorius, uh, not a particularly not a, not a particularly accomplished empire, and there's a re- emperor, and there's a reason for that, uh, and that is like the guy's just he's a non-entity, he's 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 a, he's an empty suit, and the game kind of brings this to life. Like nobody really thinks this guy can run an empire, so you're sitting there, and he's your faction ruler, but he is also one of the reasons all your provinces are sort of convinced the end is coming anyway, so they might as well get out now. And so are the generals you appoint, so are the governors you appoint. No, everyone you trust to run this thing is an imminent risk of eventually being like, what do I need you for? And that's a really cool dynamic. It's not inevitable the, the Western Romans are, are, going to, are going to get buried, but it's so hard for them to dig out of that hole they're in at the start. Yeah. There's so much of a sense of, I mean, the Roman Empire, the Western Roman Empire is, I mean, it's, you're going to lose territory. I mean, you can't, yeah, you have to exact some stuff. To, you have to exact the money from it while you have it. But there's also this, you have to have a little bit of resignation. I mean, like you said, it took 40 minutes for the first turn because so much of it is figuring out, okay, what do I want to keep? Where should I put my armies? What do I do with the Vandals who are already just right outside my cities in Pannonia? Um, and the and the Alpine regions. What am I going to do about them? You know, London's going to fall. Scotland's going to fall. Screw them. And but if you lose too much, then your emperor loses even more of that authority. So you can't once you can't do it too fast because his authority requires him being a good, successful emperor, not the jerky idiot Honorius that we all know and love so well. Um, so there's 
how do you how do you recognize a lost cause and how do you pull out with honor um and which 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 generals do you trust uh there's so much i'm glad that there's some sort of a, some sort of a recognition of a pseudo civil war that these guys might want they they will want your job they all think they can do it better than you and they probably can and now horse is what 18 years old or something ridiculous yeah, like that yeah he's a kid he's a kid with very low stats and he is uh, stilico is sitting up there with the super army. That's his know, ace in the hole. Yes, yeah. Stilico is a he's a, he's like the last badass. Yeah, he's like the one of the great uh, great late Roman generals. And he, but you know you got to keep him loyal because <laughs> otherwise he starts at ten though. So that's like he's, yeah, he, it, 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 it takes a lot to lose him, um, and you can pretty much you can pretty much count on him. But there will be other generals like him. Yeah. Along the line, if you're a successful leader, you will create successful generals. But a successful general is not always a loyal general. Right, and it's um, and once that once they got that army command, like you're stuck with them. Well, once they realize they have some, I mean, you cannot get rid of them that easy. Um, they will not quietly retire. This isn't Cincinnatus. They're not going to return to their plow uh, very quietly. These are professional soldiers who want uh, the honor that comes with the job. And there's just so many interesting decisions. I mean, I'm I'm really a Republic guy. You know that. I'm really worse in the Republic than the Empire. Um, but I do think that this is probably the first game about uh, this era of Roman history that actually captures the things that I do find interesting about it. The whole dealing with catastrophe when you're surrounded by idiots. Yep. Um. And you can't, you don't know. I mean, it, it kind of starts you with a, it starts you with a mess not of your own making. Yeah. Which is kind of, kind of unfair. But, you know, this is not something we see a lot in strategy games. You kind of have to play the Romans in these types of games. You know, Barbarian Invasion had it. And I don't know if the Romans are even playable in At the Gates because the whole point is they're, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, they're, 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 they're living on borrowed time and they're just a, a threat and a power to begin with, but then will decline. But the whole the whole point of this era is if you're going to play the Romans, you have to face that you aren't what you once were. You know, you're you're a fading giant. Uh, you're you 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 are Pete Rose. Uh, you know, scra- scrambling for that four thousandth hit uh, and betting on baseball because it's the only thing that gives you life and, and excitement anymore. <laughs> uh, so. You're just wait. You're just you're just running out the clock and hoping that maybe things will turn around for you, uh, but they're but they're they're probably not, uh, not in the short term. It is about retreating slowly and then surviving and maybe building more of a mini empire back. You're not. I'm sure the very best players out there. I'm sure there's some guy out there on YouTube who's played the Romans and he's rebuilt the entire Roman Empire and he's conquered Persia too because there are. There are people out there who specialize in these well, yeah, things. Yeah, it's like people conquer the world as like, you know, the, the Iroquois. You know, I mean, yeah. it's in, in EO. It, yeah, like, there are, people there are always that. people at the far end of the bell curve who are just going to be able but, to like, shatter games. But for, for most of us, the whole point of playing the Romans is to, it's what we play a lot of these historical strategy games for. Can we do better than history? Can we at least survive? Can we keep Gaul? Can we keep Spain? Can we keep Carthage? Can we make the rest of the Western Roman Empire last longer than the Eastern Roman Empire? You know, just can we re, can we unite the two empires again? Uh, maybe, maybe not. And it's really, it's certainly really hard to do. And the barbarians are always there, baying at both of you. 
I, it's just such a challenging, interesting game. And, you know, the Eastern Roman Empire is fun, too, because the barbarians generally start more close to your borders. So you have the more imminent threats. And the, and the Sassanids are a settled faction that has its shit together. Um, and they're constantly a threat. So at the, I really do like playing the Roman factions, knowing that you know the Eastern Roman Empire has got a pretty good shot. They've got some really good walled cities. They've got a lot of wealth. Um, but they also have, they're the one, they're, they're the first people who have to deal with the Goths and the Huns. Yeah. And that's not a great way to start, but it's fun. It is such an exciting and interesting well, uh, situation for, for both Roman factions. And, uh, you know, again, going to the point of things that just didn't hang together that well in, uh, in Rome too, but seemed to work really well here. This game, because, okay, so again, like every, every, bit of praise also has to be attended by the fact that like the interface is still not great right like, no it's breaking still, down it's why still a royal mess why is this province unhappy well there's the and then it gives you all these values that seem to be kind of redundant like the fertility stat will come up on like four different things uh to, to do with to, to do with food but it comes like public order and such um you know, religion is important, but and 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 culture matters. But usually, in like Rome too, it was kind of this binary thing, right? Like it was whoever held the land before, and then whoever was moving in to conquer it. And that was kind of yep. the only that was the that was the only thing that really mattered. So if you were taking new territory, you built a few high level religious structures to pump out culture and and blah blah blah. And it was done. And I guess that could still work here too, but everyone's poor. There's just not as much money to go around. Uh, yep. And the other thing is this though. This is a this is a world without religious consensus. Like there like there is no there's not pagan faith and, and and Christian faith. There's not even there's not a Christian consensus. There's all these there's all these little religions sort of vying for power and they're 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 being imported by these barbarians who are who are pouring in. And you and it's emanating from Rome, like a certain form of Christianity is emanating from Rome. And so as you know, the, not only does the map get Swiss cheese, but also sort of the religious loyalties uh, sort of get Swiss yeah. cheesed uh, throughout this map. And so you have this, this this interesting dynamic where you're like looking at your cities, and and they're in these weird like balance points where it's like th this city, like this territory, has no religious identity, but at least it's not balanced against me. So maybe I don't want to maybe I don't want to poke that bear too much. It's it, it's it's an interesting aspect of this game that like. How like how how badly do you want to try to enforce like cultural um, uh, homogeneity in your territory? Because it's mm -hmm. going to cost a lot of money to do that with all these other influences around. Versus how much do you just sort of have to make peace with the fact that like there's going to be a lot of discontents everywhere because nobody there, there is there is there's nothing for anyone to cling to in this world. There's 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 no identity except these these small sort of tribal identities. There, there, there are no sort of like pan-cultural identities, no ideas that unite people across these different these, these different nations, and so it's just it, it, it kind of has this cool feeling of you're, you're this sort of like polyglot, you know, you're, you're, you're this you're, you're not, not like you you have this multi-religious identity that you, that you have to sort of wrestle with and this multicultural identity uh that, that you have to wrestle with and and that's kind of new it, it kind mm -hmm. of makes those dynamics that were in rome too suddenly feel vital and important in a way they didn't before 
Yeah, I always, you know, try to push my religion on people because I don't do that in real life. Uh, so it's fun to do it in a game. And I, because sometimes, because the, the bonuses for, you know, having a, a religious ally and knowing they're not going to leave you because, you know, they've turned away from the Aryan heresy and they've adopted, you know, the Petrine faith the way that all good Christians should, um, is kind of great to have, you know, like, to make that switch and have the marriage alliances um, to solidify that even further. And But it's not something you have to do, and it's something you can consider. I don't think it's a overwhelming part of the game, but it certainly does recognize, and I think appropriately, that, you know, this was an actual legitimate serious concern for uh, many of the uh, many of the Roman emperors, certainly many of their uh, g- generals and leaders, um, the church had quite a bit of power um, in imperial Rome at the time. So this is, there's just so many, but the, the, the polyglot stuff, the way that every, everything does feel kind of alien. There isn't this sense that, well, all of these factions are just the same and all of these religions are just the same. I mean, they really are pretty much just the same. They're just, they're just different names and like, like, dislike boxes. So this is, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like Bioware morality, yes, no type thing. Uh, it's not especially complicated or complex. But when it's combined with all of the other mechanics, which underline how different and unique all of these cultures are from each other, those very, you know, maybe shallow understandings take on a very different color. It's the way the mechanics... So so strong mechanics can reinforce and buttress what are superficially weak mechanics. Yeah. Just a small small note here I wanted to make as well. Um, This is usually a series where smart plays almost always, like, take that city, build it, develop it. Uh, And you can decide how draconian you want to be when you take the city. Uh, But usually you you do want to take the city because in all Total War games, territory is power. Territory is production. Territory is everything you need. Uh, here, because everyone's sort of teetering and all, and a lot of people are already flat on their back when the game starts. Uh, this is the first one where, like, uh, it was interesting. I saw it happening as the Romans, but I also was doing it a lot myself as a barbarian. Um, people don't want to take territory. People want to sack things. No. People want to, like, sacking cities is oh, now a pretty need, important income stream. You need that money. There's just not enough money to go around. And there are never enough. And if you have too many cities... You won't have the armies to protect them because the armies are expensive uh, to maintain. And if you can't hold it, it just becomes a base for an enemy to use. Um, so you know, there that you can just you can there are different ways you can sack cities. You can different levels of it. But you don't have to occupy it. You can just loot it, um, or you can raise it. Like you might just want to loot a city but not raise it. I was doing a lot of like. Like, I had a couple armies, because you can build out armies and generals to have certain special abilities, and I had a couple that were sort of focused on on sacking but not destroying cities. And yeah. so, like, when I when things were tight as a barbarian, I, there's sort of this chain of, you know, cities on my border uh, that I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll, I guess it's time to make another circuit through Thessaly. You just end, you just end up f- f- farming for peasants, you yeah. know. Sorry, it's it's fall. Time to take all your wheat again. You just, yeah, exactly. You just, <laughs> just sort of cut the peasant with your sword, and delicious candy falls out. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so that that was a cool thing. And here here's the interesting. I'm, I'm sort of like on one level, I'm participating in the discussion. This, this other part of me that's realizing I don't think we've talked about our total war game 
as a strategy game on this level, maybe ever. Like, in terms of, like, Total War as strategy game, we haven't talked about the tactical game. This entire show, we yeah. have not even addressed it. Partly no. that's because there's not as much to say. But, nevertheless... I, I, like, I, well, I, do, I, I do think the AI is better. Okay. I do think it's better. I, I think it's better at not doing stupid things with its army. I can uh, On the battlefield. I think it's better at uh, understanding what a cavalry is for. The cavalry is for hit and run and not for, you know, charge and stick it in. Uh, which has always been a problem um, for uh, the Total War AI, where the cavalry are just this thing that charges infantry and then sits there and dies. Yeah. Instead of, uh, I think it's, and it's, I think it's better at um, its use of skirmishers. Yeah, that's um, a good point. In general, I, th- I think it is actually, I think it is. I'm not going to say it's much improved, uh, but I have noticed that it is a tougher opponent than it used to be. The, the uh, cavalry the point is important too, because the cavalry, like I found myself, and 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 you sort of, you sort of hit that nail on the head there. Uh, I found myself increasingly unable to ever get my uh, like pikemen involved in battles uh, because they just sit there keeping the cavalry at bay. But I can't use them the way I have into previous Total War games as just sort of a frontline infantry unit. Because uh, the cavalry, yeah, the, the AI is very aggressive with using its cavalry to sort of like get around your flanks and go after unprotected units or, or, or hit units that are already engaged. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that cavalry really has to be, it has to be minded. Yeah, I, th- I think that, I mean, it, the battles are, I think the AI is better at the battle. The battles look great too. I mean, they still look amazing. The units look amazing. Um, I don't think we see as much unit variety or maybe it's because I just keep starting new campaigns to see all the really cool stuff. Um, I don't think there is, and there's a there are and there's a lot of junk troops. Yes, because you end up using a lot of junk troops. Well, and that's and you know nobody what? can make good troops at the start. Well, that's great. I mean, but I really like. But I mean, you do it all the total all the whole you you start with junk troops, but you end up using. For a lot, for a lot of the game, a lot of junk troops because it takes a while to get your cities to a decent level. Um, could have a really good city that gets burned down. You end up going to levies uh, quite a bit, yep. especially uh, if you're the barbarians. Or good the troops are expensive too. They are good a troops huge are really really expensive. Legendary. The Romans are relying on uh, limitani b- 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 border troops. Yeah. Like Rome, like Rome can't build cohorts to start the game. The, the the city of Rome. Yeah. All the cohorts are in the north because the capital's moved. Italy, the Roman center of power has moved north to Mediolanum and Ravenna. It's not in Rome anymore. So Rome just builds these junky, shit-ass, pardon my language, border troops, which is fine because they're not on the front line anymore. Not, why they're, not sure why they have border troops. You're not on the front line, but that's another story altogether. But you, you, know, you start churning out cohorts, and they just eat up your money. So you will be requiring, you know, levies and limitani and... Hiring mercenaries. Well, I mean, so many mercenaries. And, and you still have the problem of the, the units that Rome's really good at building may not be the right troops for the job anymore. Right. Like the cohorts, yeah, they are awesome heavy infantry. And when you get them engaged in other heavy infantry or, or medium infantry, yeah, they just carve through it like a freaking saw. It's great. The problem is this is an era where armies are getting more and more mobile. And yes. skirmishers, light skirmishers, horse skirmishers are becoming a bigger, bigger Bigger and bigger issue, and so the Romans like can can tech up into this really classically like heavy infantry Roman model, um, but unfortunately that's no longer the world that we yeah. live in. 
it's it's really uh it's, it's, it, this is one of my f- we have few when we did the Caesar Total War show we talked about how one it seemed like Creative Assembly was much better at doing the small focused theaters than they were at um you know the really large campaign yeah. type stuff. I think this is probably the best Total War game since Shogun Two. It may even be better than Shogun Two. I'm like this. I was I was sort of sitting around before the show because I was debating like where where do I rate this, and I kept going back to like I think this might be the best Total War strategy game ever made. Like I don't know if the like it's going to be very hard. Like unfortunately, Medieval One now lives in this place in my heart. That may no longer reflect its actual like reality. Shogun yeah. Two is is great and, and I love it, but I, I know because I played that recently enough. Shogun Two is amazing. It's beautiful. It's 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 everything I want in a Shogun game. Mm-hmm. It is not the same. It is not on Attila's level when it comes to being a strategy game. Okay, I I can I I am down with that. I am down with that. Yeah, that works for me. Yeah, yeah, because I I'm I am hard pressed to name. A time that it's that it's been as interesting um, as a strategy game with with all the stuff we've talked about. And and to be clear, you've never liked any of the Rome games. Uh, no, I never much cared for Rome one. Uh, I did like Barbarian Invasion uh, just because okay. it had that cool like feeling of decay and everything's ending. But this gives me <laughs> all that and more. Cool. Yeah. So, right. So we're agreed. Yeah. So Attila, basically awesome. Um, I I mean I'm I'm sort of racking my brain like. What are the what are the major criticisms I, I'd have of it? Well, I mean, I guess the you know some of those interface issues are are, are still there, still it's, there, still there. And the, the the political game is you know it's better, but it's still it's still ill thought. Um, I think that having it's improved basic mostly by not having to deal with pretending there's a republic running around and just oh it's an empire so you do whatever you want right and and, and now when civil and wars until things, happen until things fall apart bullshit civil wars yeah. they're real yeah. like you can see it coming like you you can sort of look at you know look at Jan Cassius yeah. and know like this guy is not like he's good and he's useful he is not going to stay on side uh, and, and that's pretty cool. So, like, even as barbarian chieftain, yeah. right? Like you like you said, you, you you always have that other general leading your other big army. And in some ways, he's even more able to get glory, right? Because you can risk him more easily. Yeah. Uh, and so you have the problem eventually of like, yeah, my 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 chieftain is uh, good, but this guy's great, and he knows it. Uh, so that yeah, that gets that gets pretty interesting. Um, and so I think yeah. it, it sort of redeems that 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 uh, that political situation. Yeah, and the the appointing people to you know. Like for the Huns, you have they've dread riders, and they've got to earn enough experience in battle to work their way up the ladder. God, <laughs> the Hun army names are the best, by the way. Whoever yeah. whoever created the, the 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 file with all the little army names and everything, yes. you did a damn good job. You they you, you sound, really named the they, shit out of those armies. <laughs> they all they all sound terrifying. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty serious. Um, you know, I will say. Going to the battle thing, uh, just just real quickly, mm-hmm. I will say I think I will always miss the way Total War battles used to feel back in 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 the old old games. Um, I I feel like Rome is just Rome, Rome two and, and Attila. The, 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 they're both well. So Creative Assembly are making Total War Arena, 
right? Like the and, yes. and it's 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 kind of this game. It's kind of it's kind of Rome two, uh, with all these different units and everything. But yeah. it's 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 still the the MOBA version of that. So it's very so all the units kind of move around really fast, and the penalties for for running your troops across the field don't seem that significant. So like the AI will just eat up ground really quickly and. Um, and so I, I think one thing that bothers me a little bit is that it feels like overall Attila is a lot more microy uh, than and, and Rum Two is this way as well, where there's all these little micro things you have to do with each of your units, and all these different little powers, and and so many units have their own little power now that you have to activate. Yeah. Uh, and I don't find the battles as readable because. Um... <sighs> okay, so. They have little icons floating above the formations. And the icons are really clear, so you can sort mm-hmm. of tell who's doing what and where. But the interesting thing is, back in the old sprite days, and, and I would argue this is also the case with, uh, you know, with maybe stuff like Shogun, um, definitely was the case with, like, Napoleon, you can sort of eyeball a battle. And whether it was because of the colors or maybe the unit models were distinctive enough, I don't know what it was. But you could eyeball your entire line of battle and have a pretty good sense what was going on? You know, you could sort of read the push, right? Like yeah. who was who was making headway, who wasn't. Yeah. I find in Rome two and Attila, uh, the situation always is always just a lot less intelligible than I remember it being in in previous Total War games. I'm constantly doing the mouse hover now, right? Where it's like, what like what's even going down going on down there? I can't tell. Yeah. And maybe that's realistic. Whatever. It kind of pisses me off when you combine that with the speed of the game. So like the cavalry unit that you just routed. Like, goes away for 30 seconds, rally, and comes back in, and you looked away, and now all your archers are dead. That sort of stuff just kind of pisses me off. And I, and I think the the previous, the, the earlier Total War games, uh, when units were a little slower, they had this, this, this greater sense of inertia and mass and everything, mm-hmm. and they sort of fought as more like massive blocks of troops. Uh, now it, it, it sort of, the way it looks, even if it doesn't fight that way, the way it sort of looks, all like this rugby scrum down there, mm-hmm. uh, just makes the battles a little hard to, you know, command uh, than they used to be. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, there's, I think, I, mean, I do the mouse hover a lot too to understand, like, look, why hasn't this army broken yet? Why hasn't this, this guy I'm hitting on three sides, why hasn't he broken? He should be broken by now. And, I hover, and I'm still not sure. gives you all of this information, and I can't quite translate it in the right way. I think part of this is because the battle simulation is more complicated, because it is, you know, soldier versus soldier, or what have you, or however they're doing the math. Because it's more complicated, you require more information to understand what's going on but if i don't know what that information means it's just data yeah it's not you know telling me anything i can actually use besides huh well they've got a morale boost from somewhere and i is it, is it because of the unit is it a unit bonus is there is some it because bullshit general power because of experience yeah did, did somebody shout rally Roar. rally yeah the barbarian yeah. like war cry and you Roar, and then like suddenly there's morale drops but i don't know if it meaningfully drops suddenly there's a red arrow pointing down yeah i guess that's good for me maybe and you know the the guy who shouts oh our troops have broken it's like it's a bunch of 
idiot javelin. It's about the javelin men. Don't scream. No one yeah, cares about those the are javelin auxiliaries. Men. They're meant to. They're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're, they're of course they're running. To, they're just there to take the first shot. But that man is wearing know? a loincloth. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know that, that everything's an emergency. You know those yells would be more helpful if you know there was a little bit of context because the maps are huge and the battles can take place on yeah. quite a large map. Like, if you have like three or four armies running into each other. So oh, so and so's routing, and yeah, I don't I need to hear down. a bunch of randos are running. I need to hear like I need to hear you know the the, the cry at Waterloo. Right, the guard is falling back. You know yeah. I need to hear that if my heavy melee troops are breaking. I need to hear like you know the. You know the 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 heavy infantry is is withdrawing, and that'll be the oh shit sign. Like but, even just, even just a sound cue yeah. and much better, brighter blinking on the unit list on the bottom. Well, so I can click on the guy and find him, which I can do anyway. But my eyes are usually up the battle. If there's more blinking, my provision will catch it, and then I can say, oh, it's just it's just barbarian Joe. We you, just hired him. You know, I think maybe that's actually uh, maybe that's actually another reason why I find it so much less easy to read. Back in the sprite days, uh, the sprites were all really distinctive, right? Like, remember the Nodachi samurai with those ridiculous yeah. Nodachi no blades and the, the Naginata troops with their, they, with their they, giant they had, spears? They had, they had to make them distinctive, otherwise they would not have been able to stand out. Right. And unfortunately, we're in the... We can be... Visuals can be high fidelity enough to get you into real trouble. And mm-hmm. if you pull that camera all the way back from your, from your army... I defy you to really tell the difference between various forms of heavy infantry, spear, and well, the archers will probably be a looser formation, so that'll be easy. But it's it's no longer like at a glance, okay, these guys are, are this is who these guys are, and I know what that unit does instinctively. And yeah, mm-hmm. the other thing is because it's soldier to soldier. Um, okay, so in old Total War games, right? If you routed one troop. If you routed some guys who were like occupying the flank of the enemy line, mm-hmm. you could take that unit that just routed its foe and sort of just easily like have them pivot in and flank on the next unit in the line, right? And immediately that flanking bonus would come in. Uh, and if you really want to get a good flanking bonus, you could you could sort of push that unit behind and around and then get a real flank going. It could be great. Mm-hmm. But but it was easy enough. The, the the troops would by and large do what you want them to do. Here now, because they all sort of move as individuals, and it's not calculated, I don't think, like, by the unit, uh, if you don't take the time to, like, get that unit all the way out of combat, get it back in formation, have it wheel around, come back in, if you just say, like, look, I'm in a hurry, just, just attack these guys, then they will just sort of, like, mosh pit over to the enemy, but not actually flank. They'll, yes. they'll just sort of pile up there and yeah, sort of these like really soldier traffic jams. And it's like, look, I get that it, it's kind of cool that you're making me sort of like put troops back in formation. And the idea of, of units being in formation is, is important. That's kind of cool. But at the same time, look, there has to be a centurion down there or something who can be like, hey, jerks, stop just like pushing at the back. Let's let's move five feet to the left. We'll be behind them and it'll be great. That doesn't happen. So you, so like you always, but and because you can't tell what's happening down there, uh, it's very difficult to know like whether your troops are positioned correctly. Uh, so it, it's just it's a little frustration. I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think like with the with the direction they've gone with their visuals and their combat modeling, I think this sort of new micro heavy style is here to stay. 
but I think it's not if you're like a total class, classicist like me, it's mm-hmm. always going to feel a little bit alien. And it's going to feel less wargamey uh, and more like, you know, RTS-y uh, in ways that might not be cool for someone who wants something with that historical flavor. Yes. That said, awesome strategy game and still pretty good on the battlefield, too. Yes, I recommend it very highly. Great. So Total War Attila, uh, exceeding every expectation. Uh, Amazingly, because and- I had really low expectations yeah and i'm actually and they were they were I'm, I'm actually overjoyed that this is a very good game yeah it's, it's funny we we're talking before the show like do you think we'll get an hour out of this i don't know probably not uh and, and now i'm like <laughs> i keep going because uh, because there's so much you talk about like different factions and everything f- for a long time and I, i'm annoyed because i didn't even realize i think um i think the last roman campaign like came out today yeah and i really want to try that yeah the uh belisarius um my hero. Yeah, so that, like, so I kind of wish we were, you know, because then we could be topical, right? We'd be like, we're going to tell you, 3MA listeners, whether you should get the last Roman or not. But that's that's not going to happen, because, so now, like, four months later, <laughs> we're here to tell you that Attila's really good, guys. Uh, and you'll have <laughs> to wait. There are, just, there are just so many strategy games. hard to talk about any of them on time. Yeah, yeah. And I, they take so long to play. And this is why... No websites have strategy game journalists on staff. It's because it takes them two months to review a game. Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, also fewer and fewer people are reviewing them now. Um, well, yeah, yeah. It's 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 awkward times for for strategy reviews and, and and not great. Gone are the days of Steve Butts like locking down all the war game strategy reviews at IGN. Uh, that was a cool era, but yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's difficult to keep up with this stuff. And uh, you know, Total War, like I wish I I wish I'd played even more of this. And it's very difficult to get around to it uh, when it came out. Uh, but but now that I have played it, I can't believe like Rome had Rome two had left such a sour taste in my mouth yep. that I like when Attila was announced and everything, I was like, I don't care. Like I'm just I'm done. And then Fraser reviewed it really positively. It was like you should really give it a shot. But you know, Fraser gave it a seven. So, like, what is Fraser now? So, you know, I was like, he's a crazy Scotsman. I'm going to ignore him. Uh, and, and no, I'm going to have to eat my words. Uh, Fraser, Fraser was banging on the money. And uh, I'm actually really interested to, like, maybe revisit this game uh, at some point down the road. Uh, maybe talk about The Last Roman, if that, if that, if that expansion turns out to be really cool. Um, I am curious now whether Rome 2 reflects any of, any of this goodness. I suspect not, because some of these mechanics are, are sort of intrinsic to the Attila setting. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, I can't believe how much I enjoyed this one. Uh, it's it's terrific. So that does it for Total War Attila. Um, maybe the best Total War game ever. Probably the best Total War. Uh, oh, uh, Belisarius just showed up in in my in my Steam gift box. Thanks, Troy. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> the winter of war game. It's the winter of war gaming in July. Uh, late June. Uh, anyway, so yeah, highly recommended. Uh, curious to hear our listeners' thoughts on the game. You can leave, leave a comment for us at our forums uh, at idlethumbs.net. Uh, we'll be back next week with another topic, uh, and I think this one's going to be what we talk about when we talk about historical accuracy. But as always, don't hold me to anything. <laughs> yes, thanks for listening. Good night. A whole new world.